And so I, I want you this morning, wow, every service is different. And this is the second and, and I feel a anointing for this service. But I want you to, to just think about this being your refueling gas station spiritually today. Would that be okay? You know, I, I, want, I, want, I, I wish that the and cars would be evolving into uh, better fuel efficiency, even electric cars and whatever. We're not there yet, though, and so the gas prices are high, etc., but you still got to get the fuel if you're going to go to your destination. Can't drive on fumes. Amen? And so I, I want you today, I want you to see this, that you're not just here to do your politically correct stuff or keep your spouse happy at you or to show up because you're not, you're not just here to occupy your Sunday thing. I really want you to see that God has a table spread and He wants to fill you up with His wisdom and Word. Not me, but God does. And if you'll allow me, I'll help you too. I'll help myself. Verse 24, 1 Corinthians 9. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Run to win is what he means. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Paul continues his thought by saying, Therefore I run in such a manner. I run thus, not with uncertainty. This is how I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest while I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified, lose the race. I like the way the message translation puts it. It's on the screen for you to follow when I read. You've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs, one wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. Paul continues, I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping. Tell everyone else about, about all of it and then missing out on myself. I don't want to miss the prize. And so I just want you to take about 10 seconds and pray for me, would you? Come on, point your hands this way. Father, I pray for a refueling, a refiring, a renewing. Touch my voice, touch my mind, touch my thoughts. Do not let me waste words. I'm not here to be an entertainer, but I'm not here to bore people to death either. So I need inspiration, oh God. And we all need inspiration. There's not a one of us here that along the way doesn't need a, a kind word, an encouraging word, a, a fresh word from the Lord. And so I pray, oh God, there, there may be marriages at stake. There may be uh, decisions, oh God, that can go one way or the other. We want it to go the right way. And so I ask you, God, today that there would be those who might that feel like nobody cares. But I pray that you would rekindle the fire of God in us and change us by your word. To that end, everybody say amen. And amen it is. Thank you for being seated in the presence of the Lord. Well, I just, I know today is the final day of the Olympics in London, 2012. I, like you, as I've stated last week, have been intrigued by the athletes, by their disciplines, by the different events. And when I look at life and I see things like that, I always, I always want to learn from something. 
And I've come to appreciate our text this morning because it talks about this thing of serving the Lord, a Christian, as being in a race. Can I get an amen? Is that what the word talks about? And I will not take the time to reintroduce the games to you. I did that last week. Paul, in this passage, is writing about something that the people understand about. He's writing to the Christians at Corinth who need to be encouraged in their walk with Christ. Because there are a lot of distractions pulling at them. As there are distractions pulling at us this morning. While I preach to you, there will be a war for your mind right now this morning. While I preach to you, there will be a war for your heart. While you're here in body, there will be a war about what do I need to do tomorrow? What do I need to do tonight? What about the grandkids? What about the marriage? What about the bills? And there will be a lot of distractions. And Paul says to these people, you are acquainted with the games. And he uses the text. Back then in that culture and time, one of the games were known as the Isthmian games, the Corinthian games. It is out of the Isthmian games and Corinthian games that the Olympic games came from. Or surrounding that same sort of context. And Paul says to them words that they understand. You know that in a race everybody runs. And we're talking here maybe a track meet. And he says everybody runs but one wins. Run to win. Can I get an amen? Now, now I, uh, I find that we are interested in, in this kind of event, and I'm interested in the Olympics for more than one reason. So you might dim the light here so that I might uh, uh, give a little bit of illustration by way of these slides. Obviously, we know that the prize for the winning athlete in the particular event in which they compete would be the best of all the prize, would be the gold medal. But then there is the silver and the bronze. And as I thought about it, you know, I think about athletes, and I have a few pictures here that just highlights uh, some of the skills. You look at that, you're thinking, they have the slide wrong. They should turn it the other way. No, that skill. Okay, that person is really airborne, and uh, if they could successfully land on their feet and accomplish their task, they will win the prize. I think about what it takes, and I don't have uh, time to go in all the details, but I understand that... We are interested in this kind of competition for at least two reasons. We like watching people who excel at something. Can I get an amen? In other words, I don't know about you, but I'll say about me. I like watching winners. I don't like watching losers. Can I get an amen? Uh, losers might teach me something, but I don't want to keep watching losers. I, it inspires me, okay? It inspires me to, to get to the finish line. It inspires me in, in being a father and being a husband and being a pastor and being a man and, and, and being an example. It inspires me when I see somebody else win who might have started out like me. And if they won, I, I'm striving to be a winner too. And there's another reason why we, we look at the Olympics or, or, or these kind of events. Because, again, not only inspiring, but again, it, it's, it's about winning. We, we want to win. We, wanna, we want to succeed at what we do. And therefore, as I think about this, I think about how well it is that, that you find somebody like this particular gentleman from South Africa, who is not just a, an athlete, but 
he is running on prosthetic legs. Okay? Both his legs are amputated. And here he is running in the Olympics. He's not running in the Special Olympics or the Paralympics. Here's a man who says, my limbs had to be severed off. For whatever reason, I don't know his whole story. But I started out to win, and I'm going to give it my best. And sometimes when I see somebody like that, when I worry about maybe I don't feel like getting up today, or my knee hurts, or my hip hurts, or my ankle hurts, and I see somebody who don't have any knees or any ankles, but they're so I'm going to press on. It inspires me. Hey, I told you about a Farah and Roop last week. How they came in. Farah came in first at the 10,000 meter. And Roop came in second at the, uh, right beside him. Last night they ran the 5,000 meter. And Farah won that. But Roop didn't make it that far. But he does have the ability to say, I ran the 10,000. I got the silver. Because he trained for 14 months with a winner. The American trained with the British for 14 months. Let me tell you, it does matter who you run with. It doesn't matter who you hang with. It doesn't matter what you listen to. It doesn't matter what magazine you read. It doesn't matter what talk show garbage you choose to turn off. Because if you run with winners and you run with Christ, you will always be a winner. Somebody clap your hand and thank the Lord. I couldn't help but throw in a West Indian. I'm from the West Indies. And while he is not Trinidadian, he is Jamaican. And you Jamaicans will know when I say this, Jamaica have the fastest man in the world. <laughs> fastest man in the world. Lightning bolt, Jamaica. Just wanted to give a little push for the West Indies. And I want you to understand that these athletes don't just show up to show people their tights. Oh, God, help me. <laughs> I feel a mean streak. I've seen people wearing some that we didn't need to see some stuff. They need to go get regular clothes. They ain't there yet. One day they will, but this ain't the time. Okay, Alan, stay in the pulpit because... Paul says, and, and I told you last week, and I'm tempted to go back and tell you all, all the importance of that. He says, from these games that you Corinthians are acquainted with, God wants to teach you a lesson. Serving the Lord when you get saved is like starting out at the starting line. And heaven and Christ is your destiny. And, and he says that there, he lists about four things that it takes to win in this race of fighting the world and the flesh and the devil after you get saved. Can I get an amen? And these four things I'm just going to put on the board right now, unless I don't get to all of them, but I want you to have them so you can get a complete thought. Paul says, you must have a desire to win in life. I must want to win. Everybody say, want to? Those of y'all that didn't say it, you don't want to, do you? He says, I must have direction if I'm going to win. I must focus on a goal. For the Olympian, it's the gold medal, the silver medal, the world record. For the Christian, the goal is the favor of God. 
the wisdom of God. A better marriage. Can I get an amen? You don't just get all the prize when you get to heaven. But if you serve God now, the goal is the healing of your body. The salvation of your loved one. Financial blessing. The goal is protection from God. And then one day, He's going to give you a crown of life that does not fade away. You have to have a goal. G-O-A-L. Then Paul says, in order to win in life, you must not only desire and have direction and discipline, but you have, must have discipline. I must be willing to work. And then he says, number four, there must be determination. I must never, never give up. And, and I, I get these illustrations in my head that I don't really plan for the sermon, and it comes, and I have to always weed out stuff to make sure I stay on task. But, but I, I get, last night before the, uh, the Olympics actually competition began, uh, there, there was a documentary of some sort on NBC uh, done by a news anchor whose name slips me as I'm getting older. But it showed the uh, city of London and the country of England during World War II when it was under the attack of Adolf Hitler and the Nazis. Did anybody see that or know what I'm talking about? And, what, and they showed that during 1941, when Churchill was the Prime Minister of England, England for, for six months was barraged. Every night, every night, the city of London, the country of England, was barraged by hundreds of Nazi planes with tons and tons of bombs. The people would, would, would be instructed, the, the children, over one million children were taken out of London. London and sent to the countryside for their safety. And then the people were told, get all your doings done by four o'clock in the evening and get home in order for you to free up the trams and the cars and the buses of the city of London for the military to use to protect the city during that night. For 72 nights without mercy, Adolf Hitler made sure that they were trying to break the will of the English people. And a man, Winston Churchill, who was the prime minister during that time, repeatedly said, and, and we, we learned this from history, and I appreciate it, we will never give up. We will never, never, never give up. If we have to, if we have to crawl, if we have to, if we have to have somebody to carry us, if other nations won't help us, Winston Churchill brought England. They never buckled down to the Nazis. They were crippled. They were wounded, but they rose up out of their ashes because thank God for determination. Somewhere along the way, you got to say to the devil, you got to say to those who are trying to drag you down. you got to say to your mind, I'm never going to give up on what God said I can be and how I can win. I'm never going to give up on my children. I'm never going to give up on my healing. I'm never going to give up on my dream and my vision. God is for me. Oh, my Lord, where do I get all this strength to yell? Why can't I just be... I got several degrees. Oh, help me, Jesus. Okay, okay, let, let's move. Desire. Let me walk it out with you. Why would anybody not want to win? You, do you, you ever think about it? Because let, let me say to you about desire. Everything starts with desire. You got up this morning, although it is your discipline to be in the house of God, it is birthed out of a desire. Can I get an amen? Yeah. A desire to hear what God has to say. I need the help of God. 
Everything starts your education goals. The choice of a spouse. The, 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 the moving from a rental place to a house that you want to own. Desire. Can I get an amen? The improving on your knowledge of God and the word. Desire. And when I think about these athletes in the Olympics, when they are interviewed by different commentators, the one thing that all the athletes that are winners have in common, whether they are American, African, Asian, Caribbean, wherever they're from, the one thing they have in common is desire and passion. Give me an amen, somebody. I mean, these athletes, they eat it, they drink it, they sleep it, they get up with it, and they, it's passion. And I have to ask myself the question, if I'm going to run the race and win, what am I passionate about? I have to ask you, what are you passionate about? Because you need to write this down. A passionless life is a wasted life. You all didn't hear me. God didn't create us when he made us in his image and likeness, uniquely us. There's not another one of us. God didn't just make us to suck up oxygen and die. I don't want my epitaph by my wife, if I proceed her, to say, he lived, he died, goodbye. Maybe she'll chisel on there. He was a wild Indian for God. Maybe under that she'll put, glory. I'll explain that later. Let, let, Let me tell you something about passion. People who make an impact are people with passion. Paul was passionate. Paul says, run to win. He said, I don't run like I'm going all kind of crazy direction. I'm passionate about this race. About Christ. About healing. About the lost. About miracles. About casting out demons. Why would anyone not want to win? Well, the devil shows up and says, remember what you did last year? Remember what you did before you came to Christ? All that... Guilt and baggage he keeps trying to throw back on you. Devil says you had more than one chance. You've been given your chance. Give somebody else a chance. And you are to stay where you are. That's a lie from the devil. When you are born again, old things are passed away. Your old life is passed away and God gives you a new start. Dump the guilt in the devil's trash can and leave it there. Sometimes what keeps us from wanting to win is our background. Oh, pastor, I came out of a family and I came out of a genealogy and I came out of family history that has had uh, abuse and drugs and alcohol and domestic violence. And and nobody in our family ever graduated high school and nobody in our family ever had a college education and nobody in our family ever started their own business and nobody in our family ever ever did so and so well. Why don't you become the first one in Jesus name to rise above your background? Can I get an amen? Don't, don't let your past determine your present. Say amen. Don't let other people determine who you are. I'm here to tell you, let God put your hands in the hands of God. Read your Bible, pray, stay on your knees, and let your background be just that. Out of the ashes, God will give beauty. And then there's some of those who, who say, uh, 
I want to win, but I can't win. It's a fatalistic attitude. It's faulty theology. Give me an amen here by faith. Faulty theology says, that's the way God made you and that's the way you're going to be. You're just a two-talent person. You ain't never going to be a five. I'm preaching now. Yeah. Faulty theology says, well, you know, uh, what, 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 you know, I really shouldn't prosper. I shouldn't really make a good living. Shouldn't have a, something better. I shouldn't really because what about the missionary in Africa? What about the people in, 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 in India? What about places where the missionary, you know, he he's out there serving God, and I'm serving God here, but he doesn't have indoor running water. He don't have electricity. He has to walk to his preaching appointments, and and, and here I am. If I get something nice, then then maybe maybe you know it's uh, it's uh, it, it won't be pleasing to God. No, no, that's faulty theology. Because if you, if you are blessed and favored of God and He gives you a, a, a nicer house and He gives you a better job and He gives you a better car and He gives you some financial blessing, then maybe you could take some of that blessing and cause the missionary to have some indoor plumbing and have electricity in his house and help him buy a, a, a motorcycle or eventually he'll buy a car where he'll spread the gospel. My point is, if I, my theology is God desires to bless me, God doesn't make losers. Give me an amen. God doesn't want to bless me so I consume it upon my own self. Can you get an amen? God doesn't want to bless me with house and car and money and clothes and everything and have everybody say, look at me. Look how wonderful I am. God wants to get the blessing to me so I can get it to somebody else. I know God wants us to prosper. Uh, let me hasten to you. Uh, somebody said, well, it's unspiritual if I win. No, I think you're absolutely wrong because the Bible says that God delights for us to prosper in Psalm 35 and, 30 and 27. On the screen it says, Let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause. And let them say continually, Let the Lord be magnified, the Lord who has pleasure in the prosperity of His servant. Did you hear what I said? God wants to, you to walk around as a good billboard for his glory can I oh how do you know this pastor that he wants you to prosper and win because Ephesians 3 and 20 look at what it says not unto him meaning unto God not unto him who is able everybody say he is able not unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly Uh, how many times do we have to be told exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us God wants you to be a good ad campaign to the world that God takes care of his own God don't want you to be a Christian all the time going around nobody knows the troubles I see You know the country song? You'll know it now. I got tears in my ears from laying on my back crying over you. You forget it, man. They already got another gal or boy. You just go on your way and start over your life, okay? Christians, here's a quarter. Call someone who cares. That's that's outdated. It takes 50 cents for you to call. And when you do call, you'll get a recording anyhow. So forget, save your quarter. Christians all the time talking about how bad I, God wants you to God wants you to say that you what your prayer request is, but He don't want you to camp out there and give a devil glory. Come on, 
God doesn't want you to disavow the fact that you don't feel well. Say, I don't feel well, but by His stripes, I'm healed. God, God, God doesn't want you to disavow the fact that maybe your kids are not living right, but you, you also go and say, they're not living right now, but one day, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can I get an amen, somebody? Well, right now, I don't have all the money I need, but I do know my God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory. God wants you to be a winner. He doesn't want you to be a loser. He wants you to run and win. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Oh, oh, (laughs) okay. It takes direction. I must focus on a goal. G-O-A-L. Oh, help me, Lord Jesus. Paul says, I'm not running aimlessly. I don't... I'm not just... A boxer, he uses the boxing example. I'm not like a boxer without an opponent. Just wasted my time beating the air. I'm looking for a devil. I'm all, yeah. Paul says, I'm not just reading the Bible just because I want to gain points. I'm not just tithing, giving just because I want to impress somebody. I'm not just praying and fasting because I want to look like I'm some great spiritual giant. Paul says, I understand fasting and prayer goes together in bringing down giants in my life. I'm not wasting time. Let let me ask you to, to, to note this. Write this down. Whatever you are focused on, you're going to move towards. Yeah, thank you. Who said that? There's two of us that are among the wisest people. That's good. That is good. See, I want to get all you all up to that level. Whatever you are focused on. You look at these athletes. They focused. They have a goal in mind. Maybe they'll get their pictures on the cornflake box, but that ain't really their primary goal. My wife and I will be married 34 years come December. When I, we, we knew each other at age 12 because our parents, our fathers, ministers. But we started dating at college. <laughs> That's 34 years ago, a lot of pounds lighter and more hair than you could number. That was me. Man, Valerie had hair down to her waist, long blonde hair. She, she's a peach now, but she was a Georgia peach then. Go ahead and nod, Darren, because your wife's sitting right beside you. Make a good thing for you to say amen. <laughs> I'm kidding you, brother. And so, Pastor Jeff, I focused. <laughs> I went there to get an education to learn to be a preacher. And there's some preachers who went to Lee University who, when they're looking for a wife, they're looking for a piano-playing wife. Because, <laughs> you know, they ain't going to have no music minister if they start off in a small church. Well, I didn't know whether she could play the piano or blow the flute or tap dance. I just knew she was a southern belle. And here's a Trini looking for blessings. When I started dating Valerie, my grades, my GPA grade point average went down. Because I was focused on the goal. Hers stayed up.
she was in the first service. It's been 34 years almost. And you who've been around us a while know that I won the prize. She's still trying to figure out what she won, but I won the prize. What you say all that for, Pastor? I say to tell you that whatever you're focused on, you're going to move forward towards it. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Here's what here's what the Bible says about focus. Proverbs 17:24. An intelligent man aims at wise actions, but a fool starts off in many directions. Did you all hear me? Here's what Paul says about focus. About direction. Philippians 3, 13 and 14, brethren. He says to people listening to him testify about running this race. I do not count myself to have apprehended. Let me pause and teach. I'm not finished the race yet. I haven't apprehended. I've not come to the finish line where the judges have the wreath they're going to put on my head and give me the... I haven't gotten there yet, but here's how I'm going to get there. This one thing I do. Here's part of our problem. We dabble so much. We, we can't get to winning the race because we dabble in every hot latest trend. Can I get an amen? We dabble in fashions. We dabble in trends. We dabble in what's hot now. You, you want to know who pe- people who are dabbling all the time? You ask them about once a week or once a month what they're doing and they're saying, they, they say to you, I'm into this. Last month I was into this. This week I'm into this. Usually folks like that just dabble. Give me a witness here, somebody. And I know we live in a trendy kind of world, but in this race to make it to heaven, in this race to raise godly children, in this race to uh, resist the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, in this race to finish well, you got, you got, Paul says, this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ. Jesus. You know, the man who wrote that, before he got saved, he was a terrorist. Yeah. His name was Saul. And he terrorized Christians. Yeah. He, the man who wrote this, and the focus I want you to get here is forgetting those things that are behind. He's the man that stood and witnessed a Christian by the name of Stephen being pelted with stones and rocks until he died. His name was Saul. And they were, a mob was pelting Stephen while he prayed to God. His head bleeding. His eyes bleeding. Blood coming out of his mouth. Bludgeoned with boulders. And Stephen stood there holding the coats. Pardon me. Paul stood there holding the coats of the men who were pelting the man of God. Watching him die and not one time interrupting it. Matter of fact, read the book of Acts. And when they got through killing Stephen, Saul was his name then. He went and got papers from the Jewish religious authorities to go find other Christians because they wanted to stamp out this Christian stuff that Jesus started. They thought when they nailed Jesus on the cross, it would be the end of it. And then the disciple says he arose from the, from the dead and Jesus didn't just say the disciple said, Jesus himself showed himself to numerous witnesses confirming his resurrection. Can I get a witness here, somebody? And, and so, so Saul went about arresting people in Damascus and other places 
cases, trying to throw them in jail and eventually may have them killed. But one day on his trip to arrest Christians by the name of Saul he was, he was riding on a horse and a bright light from heaven shone. Other people were riding with him in his entourage. And out of that light uh, he was so blinded it knocked him off his horse. When he landed on the ground a voice came that says, Saul, Saul, why are you fighting against me? Why are you persecuting me? Don't you know who I am? You can't fight against me. And Saul said, Who art thou, Lord? And Jesus, the voice said, I am Jesus, whom you are trying to fight against. And the Bible said, Saul turned around. Jesus told him to go to Damascus. Within three days, he got saved. He got the Holy Ghost. He got baptized in water. It changed his name from Saul to Paul. And he no longer was a Christian terrorist. Because I want you to know when you're running the race, God can erase your past. I said, God can... Forgetting those things that are behind. Ask God to give you a new start. Yeah, you don't know where I've been and what I've done. I don't want to know. If God knows and it's under the blood, leave it there. Oh, I feel a... Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. How many of you needed mercy and grace this week? Lift up your hands. That's me. I needed it. One more time, the devil showed up with his junk. How many needed mercy, grace, and favor from God? I lift up both my hands and my foot. Yeah. Don't let the devil tell you who you are. Let God shape your life. Oh, I've got to hurry here. Yeah, yeah. Hallelujah is right. There's another person got on discipline. I must be willing to work. Every athlete in training submits to strict discipline. You know that already. You know when everybody else is going for pizza, these guys got to drink carrot juice. You don't get to be an athlete of gold standard without discipline. Paul says, I beat my body. I bring it under subjection. I make myself go to church whether I want to or not. Because it's good for me. I make myself read the Bible and rehearse and memorize some scripture because it's good for me. I turn off the TV or some other form of entertainment if it gets distasteful because I don't need that garbage in my mind. Can, can I get an amen, somebody? Paul says, I beat my body. There are some people I don't need to hang with because they, they're bringing out the worst in me and dragging me back to the old life. I beat, I discipline. I say, you must not say that. You must not go there. Say amen. amen. Discipline. I, I need to hurry. You need to write down. You won't become great by accident. You all heard that? You won't come great by accident. No, no one ever becomes great by simply doing what he pleases. Give me an amen, church. Yeah. Some of you are in process. You're striving for a better degree so you can have a better income, so you can take care of your family. Some of you are trying to start your own business. Some of you are waiting for the call of God. Some of you are trying to save your marriage. Some of you are trying to save your children. Discipline. Help me, Lord Jesus. I've got I to gotta hurry here. This is what Pastor Chad read in your hearing. and I want to see if I can wrap it up with this. He read it before the choir sang. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Let us lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I 
preached a little bit about that last week. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. In this race you're running with Jesus, there's some things you've got to hold on to. And there's some things you've got to turn loose of. Yeah. Oh, I feel it, church. There are weights and snares. You know, if, if a ship has been on, on the ocean for some time, or in and out of ports for some time, battleships, cargo ships, passenger ships, many times if they've been in the water for a long time, they've got to be brought into the dock, and they've got to be hoisted up so that people can work on getting the barnacles and the crud that has accumulated over a period of time on the ship. Did you hear what I'm saying? It's got to be blasted off and beaten off and washed off and, and whatever pulverized off because it, it, it hampers the capacity of the vessel to navigate the seas. That's why you come to church some Sunday morning. You don't always like what the preacher said, but it's sandblasting. Weights and chains. When I go to the doctor for my checkup, first thing they want me to do is get on the scale. Can you imagine that? Right out of the devil, get on a scale. So I got this kind of psychological thing I do when I go get on a scale. I take my cell phone out of my pocket. That's about eight ounces. I take my keys off my pocket. That's another eight ounces. Or four. I take my shoes out. Some of your shoes, you got enough room in there to fit a small microwave oven. <laughs> Lay it aside. And I know the nurse is going, I hope that's as far as you're going to go, Reverend. And I'm thinking, yes, nurse. And then I get up on the scale because I've laid aside some weights. And then the nurse and I both laugh because I've gained pounds. <laughs> and while that may be a little bit comical, that's what the devil will... You've you got to shake off some stuff. What? What hinders you this morning? The, the, last thing I, the last thing I want to tell you is determination. Never give up. There's some stuff hindering you. I want you to dim the lights. I want to show you something. I want to show you a two-minute, 30-second clip to close this message. It's from the Barcelona Olympics. It is Derek Redman who started the race. He is a desirous kind of guy to win. He is disciplined. He has direction. And I want you to see determination and perseverance. Play it, if you will. shown since he broke the British record. He was in great shape, you know, he, he was, had a chance, possibility of maybe getting a medal there. Keeper Hernandez has got uh, Redmond to aim at and so too in line number three is Steve Lewis, but Redmond's got off very fast indeed and so too is Ismail of Qatar. Down the back straight, he's the fractional leader. Father of Nigeria has gone very quickly and Redmond has broken down. He's on the track, kneeling down, and Derek Redmond, on his injury problem, the jinx has struck again. Running down the back strike, I heard a funny clap or a pop, and I honestly, for a split second, thought I'd been shot. 
Uh, and then obviously I realised I've, I've pulled a hamstring. And then when the pain sort of died down, I remembered where I was and what I was doing. And I remember thinking, quick, you're in the Olympic semi-finals, you prat, get up and start running. And I got to the 200 metre mark after hobbling 50 metres and looked across and all the guys had finished. And it pretty much hit me that, you know, it ain't going to happen, it's all over. I would have laid there. You know, two brothers, there's no way I would have got up. Of course, hamstring, when you got a hamstring, you know you got a hamstring. He just wants to finish. His dad's trying to run under the track to stop him. He's going to tell him, Derek, don't. The old man went to put his arms around me and I was just about to try and push him off because I thought it was someone else. I didn't see him. He sort of jogged from behind. And uh, he said, look, you don't need to do this. You can stop now. You haven't got nothing to prove. And I said, oh, I have. You know, get me back into lane five. I want to finish. Now in the greatest arena in sport. He's getting the cheer of the games. I would never have wanted to be in Derek Hugh at that time. You know, it was a sad moment. It was a, you know, a great moment, you know, in the sport, to be honest. It's a figure, a picture that just stays in your mind forever because you don't want to see any athlete having to go through that. You just knew how destroyed he was and just how much that race meant to him. Can you applaud that determination? Yeah. Listen. I risk the flow of the anointing, but I don't think I've lost it. L listen to me. Put on the screen for me, if you will, Mike, sir. What hinders you? List them all, please, for me. Derek Redman came hoping to win. But he never made up his mind to quit. I'm going to finish. 1992 Barcelona Olympics, running wide open, coming to the last stretch, hamstrung injury. Fall over on the track. The runners complete. There's something about perseverance and determination. Gets up. The officials try to say, no need to. A man comes out of the stand. Comes to him and the, the officials try to push the man away for the man to identify himself as, I'm, I'm his father. I'm his father. I read a little bit of the, the script of this that's not all given in this video. Father comes, puts his arm around his son. And he says first to him, Derek, you don't have to, son. It's over. You can stop. Derek says, No, Dad. Help me. I'm going to finish. And here's what his dad said. Son, we started this together, you and I, and we're going to finish it together, you and I. Syllabical. <laughs> Somebody here needs to understand your father says... Your father says, get up. I love you. In this race of trying to survive a divorce or separation or the agony of a previous divorce, trying to make it to heaven. In this race of trying to overcome the onslaught of uh, the temptation of a possible adultery or fornication or pornography. And you slip up. God says, son, get up. 
Did you hear me? In this race where habits and wrong friendships and a chasing after the things of the world, materialism, or a not too good job or a memory of the past will be a distraction, a weight that will get you down, hamstrung your ability. God says, I didn't bring you this far to let you down. I am a winner and I'm a father who causes my children to win. Run to win. Stand up all over this church in the name of the Lord. And after you stood up, give the Lord a standing ovation. Come on, give the Lord a standing ovation. Help me, help me praise Him. Don't let anybody take you away from God. If you're dating somebody that doesn't love Jesus, ask God to give you somebody else. If you're dating and with somebody who won't go to church with you and won't honor your God, you have no business of being yoked up with them. They're going to be weight and chains on you. Can I get an amen here? Uh, Do not let anybody, any situation, any temptation separate you from finishing well. Bow your heads all over the church in the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah to Jesus. Christians pray in your spirit, and I'm sensitive of the time. I wonder if you started this race and you had a lot of desire, but your passion has waned. And you say, Pastor, I need for God to relit the torch in my heart. A torch that burns for Him first. Pastor, I had my goal in mind. I had some objectives. God spoke to me and told me I could be somebody and do something. But some weights and chains and distractions have come and I've lost sight of the goal. Pastor, I know it takes discipline and I have allowed myself to get away from the word. I've allowed myself to get with the wrong people. I have, I have mixed, mixed and mingled with stuff that, that will drag me from God and I need to re- revisit my disciplines. I need determination. In the name of Jesus, if that's you, if any of that is you, heads bowed and eyes closed. I need to run to win. I need to separate. I need for God to help me to separate myself from stuff. And if if you're not even born again, I'm not here to put you on video and show people that you raise your hand. I'm here for God to see your heart, know your desire, and let heaven record that you said, "I need you, God." And then that's how God will come in. If that would be you, raise your hands all over this house. Many hands. Raise it up in the name of Jesus. You may put it down. Oh, hallelujah to Jesus. Now, in a moment, I want everybody, if you didn't raise your hand, it means that you're running well. I want you to pray for somebody who you know may need encouragement. In a moment, if you didn't raise your hand, I want you to be like Derek Redmond's father was to him. I want you to be somebody in this prayer that finds somebody in your prayer to this morning. They may not be here, so you don't have to go to them. But in your prayer, I want you to embrace them and pick them up. And then later this week, let the Lord show you how. Now, everybody in the house, look at the preacher. Look at the preacher. Reach up your hands to the Lord like you're going to touch him. Tilt your head toward heaven and offer your prayer right now. Offer the prayer over yourself, over somebody else who needs encouragement in running so they can win. Come on, open up your mouth. My Father, I pray over our desires today. We remember when we had more fire. We remember when we had more passion. But life has beaten us, oh God. And now we have barnacles and we have all kinds of crud attached to our vessel. I rebuke it. Come on, God, I I rebuke the devil. And I pray that you'd increase our desire. Come on, God, I ask that you'd forgive us of our sins. Tell him, tell him, say, God, I want you to forgive me of my sins. 
I have criticized. I have found fault. I have caused others to stumble. I have complained. And I ask you to forgive me. Come on, come on, pray. Lord, I've consumed things I shouldn't consume. I've let my eyes look at stuff I shouldn't look at. Come on, tell Him. I've let my mouth say things I shouldn't say. Forgive me, Lord. Let, oh God, I forget those things that are behind. I forget those things that are behind and I reach to the future. And Father, I pray that you'd increase our discipline, increase our determination. Oh God, I pray that you'd wrap your arms around us, pick us up. And if you have to carry us, carry us. Come on, praise Him with me. Praise Him. Oh God, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. My grandchildren will hear about you. Oh God, in the carpool I drive, I'm going to testify. God, I'm going to pick up my cross and follow you until one day I exchange my cross for a crown. Come on and praise Him. God, the battle may be hard and the conflict sore, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run. And if I get weary, I'm going to rest for a while, but I'm going to get up again. Somebody is counting on me, God. Somebody is clapping me on. Somebody in the stands are watching my testimony. And I don't want to let them down. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I praise you for it. I praise you for it. Now give him some praise. Come prayer team. Come from all over. Those who have trained as an altar worker. I want you to come. In Jesus name. Oh my, 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 my. Our God is greater. I want you to get it ready. And I know you are. Listen to me. This is where it starts. This is where the discipline starts. I'm going to close this way. We're going to sing. And when I sing, if you need to come. Listen to me. Pride goeth before a fall. Please hear me. Please hear me. He's not talking to me. Yes, he is. The Holy Ghost it is. He's talking about what will they think if they... Listen, there ain't a person in this house that can do for you what Jesus can do for you. There's not a person in the house who paid the price for your liberty like Jesus did. Do not let your pride keep you from stepping out in an aisle and walking down and saying, God, I just need, like the Father embraced the Son in the video, I need my Father to embrace me so I could run a little bit more. Can I get an amen? Listen to me. Oh, my Lord. I am looking at people here in this church. And I've been here a long time, so I know they've been to hell and back. But their marriage survived. Did you hear me? I'm looking at people this morning who buried their teenage child. And they themselves wanted to take their life. But they picked up and they're running and they're going to help somebody else run. Did you hear what I'm saying? I'm not talking about people who live in some kind of pristine ivory palace who don't know what it is to cry themselves to sleep. But that same person has got their miracle because they ran to Jesus. Oh, lift your hand and praise Him a little bit more. Sing, Pastor Chad. Lift, lift and praise Him. Leave from where you are and come in. Sing with Him with your hands up. Sing to praise. Now lift up your hands.